BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Am I tripping? Mysteries of the universe. Organic UFOs. As above, so below. I'm feeling like a cloud so high. Floating around in the sky. They're all mushrooms. Join me now on this ride. Mushroom communication system. blended with matrix we're drifting through time. Before the earth was around, thoughts of a sentient mind. Creations of loot and destruction, the higher we climb. What tornation? So high, so high. Floating mushroom. Hey guys, what's up? This is Joel Thomas. I'm in the studio with Sean Chris. I'm here with Justin. And J Clone 32, who, by all accounts that I'm hearing, and this is back from the original J because I actually talked to him this past week, he said that this particular J Clone has been spliced with DNA from aquatic apes, and he may or may not have some sort of gill hiding behind the hairpiece flap on his head. What's up, guys? Hey, hey, hey. What's up? Great, powerful mystery. I just imagined my flap floating up and down, <laughs> seeing little gills back there. I started cracking because Jay started cracking. <laughs> he just starts getting this big smile across his face. And he said hair flap. I know. <laughs> what? How we doing, guys? Great. Always great. Awesome, man. Awesome. I mean, we've been really having a blast here lately, recording. We're getting some dope subjects. You know, we love working with you guys i hell i was just at a conference with you guys a week ago and you guys killed it in a haunted ish building <laughs> ish yeah i know i know justin pushed back pushed back a lot on it actually being haunted but it's it is supposed, it's to, supposed be to be haunted yes that way uh but yeah thank you for coming down that was awesome our live show that was that was so much fun we had a ball yeah we did for first time doing it oh heck yeah uh but before we get rock and rolling in tonight's subject, I'm going to make Jay shout out something. What am I shouting out? Kickstarter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we, we're starting our, as this is coming out, our new Kickstarter project. Um, we are starting our new mini, would you say mini documentary no, it's, series? It's a full documentary series. Full documentary um, on YouTube. It's going to be called Lawn Chair Documentaries. 
Um, we're starting our Kickstarter to raise just some funds so we can get a you know a camera to shoot shoot it with, um, some wireless mics to record, and that'll basically get the ball rolling for us so we can um, you know get the project going. And we actually had some lawn chairs donated to us already. Uh, extremely nice lawn chairs, like a fifteen hundred dollar patio set was donated for the recording area. <laughs> That's pretty good. I got a question about that though. Were those lawn chairs donated? by the female fan club of the J clones. Cause I was at the last, I was at the, I was at the, at the event and he got surrounded Instantly. once he got off stage. So many said lawn chairs that I was, we said away. lawn chairs, not rocking chairs. <laughs> Jay's attacking his own fan club. Uh, no, actually chief yeah, Robert it, from you big apes. He actually, him and his wife own a lawn chair company. They've been friends for us with us for a long time now. Um, about almost a year, but it's outdoorpolyfurniture.com. I'll give them their shout out and they, they, they have amazing stuff and they're sending us a whole set for that. But it's kind of like, uh, the whole premise of this is that we're doing these areas, these locations, these encounters that anybody can go to, you know, I got a bad knee. So it's like, I picked on Joel a little bit, uh, for one of our promo videos about it. Like, you know, we all can't run around in Daniel Boone national forest, chasing down dog man in the dark. Uh, so the whole point of this video series is to show that there are places that the average person can go to for the, the, the phenomenal, the paranormal. And we're going to do the whole documentary out of really nice lawn chairs. Uh, so yeah, the Kickstarter link will be below guys. If you feel like if, if anybody feels like sharing the link, that'd be great. You know, I don't ask for anybody to donate if you can't, but sharing the link helps greatly too. There's my soapbox for the day. And we'll share it on the Telegram, you know, uh, Kill the Mockingbird, so you can find it there. Or we'll direct you to you. Cryptids of the Corns page. Because that's my kind of documentary, man. Just sitting in the driveway or mm -hmm. sitting in a park or sitting in a field with a beer. And I'm like, oh, is that a UFO? Hold on. Let me get my other beer first. And then I will look back <laughs> up. <laughs> 100%. That's a scene out of it. We're, one of the first ones we're going to do is in... A junkyard. Nice. Yeah. And we'll be in these lawn chairs in the junkyard drinking beer. <laughs> I like the beer. concept. Right. You just throw the cans away. It's like you just <laughs> chuck them behind you. That is it's true. It's not littering because it's where they're going to end up. Uh, but no, this, I, it just, so it's something that, you know, we wanted to do and I got a wild hair up my butt one day about it and now we're making it happen just like everything else. Yeah. My man of, how's that John Wick quote go? A man of sheer will. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it goes, but I like it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Funny, yeah, you brought John Wick up. I actually just finally watched John Wick 3 last night. I never so made it past 2. I enjoy all of them. They're just all good. Like, it's just it, it's just mayhem. Yeah, it's the same movie, you though. You go into those films, you go into those films just ready for pure mayhem. And that's it. And it's fun because that's what it is. It's like the old 80s, like Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone movies on steroids. Hmm. Well, I mean, he's a 600-year-old vampire. Of course, like he's going to be kicking people's ass. <laughs> <laughs> As the last Inside Jobs episode. Mm. Uh, did you watch it yet, Jay? Inside Jobs? Yeah. Uh, I have not. <laughs> yeah, I didn't figure. I have not. Well, this is Jay Clone 32, yeah. though, so he's all about aquatic life. Aquatic so life. he probably wouldn't. Now, every episode of SpongeBob, like I've seen it. <laughs> Memorized oh, yeah. it. Speaking of which, what's today's topic? Wow. Here we go. Oh, did we lose Joel? He did the Owen Wilson wow, and wow. we lost him. 
<laughs> no, uh, as far as topically goes, we're going to get into underwater cryptids today. So that's going to be a blast. And I know Justin's got a lot. I brought a lot to the table. I know Sean Chris has got plenty to talk about. And if Clone 32 who has the DNA of an aquatic ape in him with gills, doesn't have anything to say, I'll be surprised. Or he's just suppressing the truth, which is why... The real Jay sends these clones out instead of himself because he's back there in the Smithsonian with all the truth. I think that Jay clones coming out of coming out from the water depths to to, to <laughs> speak to us. Thank you, sir. He's got all the information we need today. I just picture you coming out of like a lake, like Godzilla, but <laughs> just covered in mud, right? And then like my muddy <laughs> flap on the back of my head. <laughs> Uh, th- no, the ocean is an amazing place. Uh, what I think a lot of people, and we, t- I, like I said, I did a big long interview last night. And we covered a lot of ocean stuff as well. Uh, what a lot of people don't realize about the ocean is that, you know, it's about 70% of the Earth's surface. And at any given point, only about 5% is observable. So that means that from the shoreline, from the cargo ships, from everything. There's only 5% at any given time being watched. So if you think about your local like duck pond and you think about only 5% of that duck pond and you trying to guess all of the life that lives in that duck pond off of observing 5% of the surface, you know, we have all these cryptids that are seen like the carnival cruise monster, which we'll talk about more here in a bit, uh, was seen on a carnival cruise ship and it was just swimming next to the ship. Uh, and then it, nothing else will happened. You know, it just swam and then it, went off, it, you know, picked its own direction. Um, even Christopher Columbus had experienced weird phenomena in the open ocean. Uh, but the ocean is just truly amazing place. In 2019, we discovered a new species of whale. Of whale. Uh, so for cryptids, you know, that's a pretty good example. It was the cousin of the rice whale. This creature is about 40 foot long, 50 foot long, and around 40,000 pounds. So, Basically, a whole species that's the size of a semi truck just hiding just, out there. just got discovered. Yeah, and it was discovered by a group of whale watchers. Where there's, you know, they're like, "Well, we don't really know what this whale is." Like, when they get back into, uh, you know, they call a couple of marine biologists and they got there. The pod's still there, and it's a whole new species. That is nuts. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, before I keep uh, Jay, what's the word for the drinking game today for everybody at home? The word for it? Yeah. Oh, like. Um, are we sticking with the same word every time? No, different word every time. Oh gosh, I don't know. An underwater word. Um, aquatic. I don't. I almost think it should be just aquatic. They'd be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Hair flap or whatever the hell we're calling the back of your head. Uh, The flap. A flap will be. There you go. Do a shot every time you hear the word. The flap. Anything with flap in it. The flap. But uh, (laughs) now I this first cryptid I have for you guys is specifically oh. For Joel, because uh, it's a really weird one, and this is one I wanted to do with Joel for a long time. I don't think I've ever told him about it. I may have drunkenly mentioned something about it, but you go on a lot about the Nephilim and like their hybridization with animals and such. What has the biggest one you've ever heard of? As far as like the Nephilim with the hybridization, something that could be a hybrid. 
Well, I mean, outside of giants that are you know, in the 40-foot range. Ooh. Uh, Put you on the spot. You are putting me on the spot. Probably dinosaurs. Ooh. The Kraken? <laughs> Get them what tight, if I baby. told you? <laughs> there seems to be whale-human hybrids. Mm. Big. Mm. Big. We're going to talk first about the ninjin. Huge. Uh, which is literally in Japanese, it means human. Uh, it's been seen several times, but it, it's, it's a white whale creature with the front half of a, a big maul mouth, big human eyes. It's kind of like a massive beluga whale with human arms. Uh, it's it's the Arctic, so not the Antarctic. Uh, no, it is the Antarctic. I'm sorry. The first sighting uh, was from a group of fishermen that had seen what looked like these giant white hands kind of clawing at the surface. Uh, and then it's been seen several times by the Japanese fishing fleet. Uh, so they go to the Antarctic coastal waters, and that's just one of the richest fishing grounds. Anybody that hasn't seen this thing, it's freaky looking. There's some weird pictures of it. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah, but there's actually a what people believe is an aerial photo of this thing. Uh, the one report puts it at being 130 feet long in 2006. Jeez. Uh, there's a couple like even some like submarines and stuff like that. So for Joel, I picked this one because a lot of people go to this as a conspiracy of a man-made human-animal hybrid. Program. So it's a mermaid uh, nephilim. Mermaid nephilim. There you Ooh. go. This thing, uh, and the Japanese have stories. Now I just forgot the name of it. Of a creature very similar, but it's all black. But it's basically, you know, the bottom half is a whale or a porpoise, and then the top of it is more humanoid, and they're very nefarious spirits. So when this thing started popping up, the Japanese fishing fleets actually abandoned the areas that they were fishing with these uh, ninja appearing in them. So it's just a very creepy looking cryptid. That also plays into a god of a, of early Babylonian and Assyrian descent. And this kind of originated more from Nineveh, but there was a god called Dagon, and it was part man, part fish that they worshipped. And if you start pulling up pictures of that... It has that upper torso of a man and then the bottom torso of a giant fish. And they worshipped this particular god, which I'm going to get into a little bit later, but it's going to tie into a different cryptid than that. But it's funny you brought that up because it could be that they saw this thing out there, um, but that would lend more to my Nephilim theories that you had fallen angels uh, copulating with aquatic life, which... Hell, if they're doing it on Earth why, or on land, yeah. why wouldn't they do it in the water, imagine a Nephilim too? trying to seduce a blue whale? <laughs> that's, a, that's a hell of a dinner date. And what was that? the name yeah. of that cryptid? But put it this way. Uh, ninja. That's interesting because in, in the medical head, it says, Japanese compre uh, comprehensive health checkup, Ninja Doc, is a unique system for early detection of disease that has developed over the years. <laughs> they like took so, the name. Ninjin is uh in, in Japanese is a word that means several has several different meanings. The main one it just means gotcha, human. Gotcha, gotcha. It just like means human. Uh, so the language for like the word ninjin, it's I'm not a language expert, but it has different meanings. Uh, like Spanish, you know, has one word can mean several different things. 
depending gotcha. on the sentence that it's and in. how it's used, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So that's ninja is the same word, uh, same connotation like that. Uh, like, yeah, it's weird because you can just type in ninja and you'll get stuff about the cryptid and you'll get stuff about just human rights and stuff yeah, like that. It's a pretty weird. Yeah, I was looking it up right now and I was like, oh, this is crazy. Uh, and for anyone that thinks how difficult it would be to have sex with aquatic life if you're a fallen angel, um, just go to any of my series where I talk about Nephilim and their sh- or not Nephilim, but I would say fallen angels are shapeshifters. So why wouldn't they be able to shapeshift into sure. something aquatic and pull that off? I'm just saying seducing a blue way. whale would be an interesting video. <laughs> right, I want to see a hundred foot long <laughs> shapeshifter. That's what I want to see. Playing the moves on a whale. Yeah, like doing a dating call. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Uh, But no, so a lot of people point to the ninja as actually being a government experiment. Uh, So Russia, Japan, the US, all experimented with dolphins from the 70s on. And with some of the stuff we're going to talk about later, do you know dolphins come back into that kind of stuff? Dolphins, porpoises. Uh, But some people point to that they may have been trying to make super soldiers, you know, hybridizing human DNA with whales and stuff like that. Imagine if you have a whole fleet of 100-foot-long, semi-intelligent creatures that can put bombs on the bottom of ships. Like, literally, they tried to do this with dolphins, and this is documented where they were training dolphins to put bombs on the bottoms of ships. Uh, And it worked for a while. Uh, But then, every once in a while, the dolphins or the beluga whales would just leave. Like, they just wouldn't come back, you know? They're pretty intelligent creatures, so they'd be doing a mission, and then they'd be like, why am I doing this? They broke free of the matrix. Or like uh, some people, some of the biologists would say they would get distracted. You know, a, like a pot of a uh, school of fish would ruin, you know, 10 years of work. Right. Yeah. Uh, squirrel. Yeah. Squirrel. You know, they're very much like, Ooh, I'm really hungry. <laughs> uh, but no, it did. Uh, recently, 2018, I believe off the coast of Japan, they found a blue guy that was extremely friendly and they weren't supposed to be in the area at all. Blue whales. Uh, and as it comes up to the boat, it was wearing a harness. They had a camera attached and it seemed to have other things to be able to attach to it. And some, you know, some said it was from Russia. Some, so there's this whole thought that the ninja that are popping up in the similar entities are government experiments that where they just got out. You know, it's hard to keep a whale in a cage, let alone now you give it hands. Yeah. They do slightly look like uh, the gray aliens too. Like they head. do. They have weird faces. And like our, New friend to our the show, Daryl Sims, talked about you know uh, gray aliens, you know being hatched, cloned, you know uh, what do you, what all do you say? I can't yeah. remember. But they're, they're manufactured. Created. Yeah, manufactured. So uh, I mean, if it's the same entity or people, group of people that are making gray aliens, why not? Are they making these things? Especially if it goes way back. Imagine trying to feed this <laughs> like Shamu. Well, I mean, yeah, it would be it'd be difficult. I bet. So you're telling me that these half whale, half men things could be meat sacks that they're putting entities into to do these missions underwater. Yes. We're right, we're on it, there baby. Meat sacks. They're everywhere, even under the ocean. <laughs> Just for you, Joel. Especially the ocean. Just for you. Especially under the ocean. Like I said, 70% of the Earth's surface is unexploitable and you know most of the bottom of the ocean is extremely hard to study you know humans can dive to the deepest points right now but when you're down there most of the time you're viewing is a 15 to 20 foot circle and most life avoids you uh there's a famous video of what people say is a ninja but it looks like a whale 
pops in and sperm whales are will investigate these deep sea subs and stuff like that at the bottom of the ocean sperm whales are down there but it looks like a whale's head pops in for a second but the eyes are on the front of the face like front of this big nose and people think that's the ninja and then you just see it kind of back up and but that is not odd sperm whale behavior that is whale behavior they'll investigate stuff like that down there uh there was one sub and i'm trying to remember what it may have been just last year where there's three people in this sub and they're like right near trench depth so they're super far down like and then the one guy makes the joke i say this on the show where he's operating the sub and he has these two scientists behind him you know he's got two nerds and he's used to but he's used to diving they're trained that if you hear something break you're probably dead uh, because the pressures are so extreme. So he takes his pen while they're not paying attention. And he drops it on the floor. And scares the hell out of these two guys. They freeze and start sweating. Because they think it's a bolt popping out. Uh, and he just, you know, he's sitting there probably chuckling to himself. These guys think they're about to die. Yeah. But later on in that same dive, something smacks the submersible. And they shoot to the right and stuff. And they're panicking, whatever. And it's a sperm whale. And it's a sperm whale that accidentally ran into him. And then after he, you know, they have their eyes kind of closed for this, these deep dives. And then he opens his eyes and goes to the front and starts playing with them. Uh, but imagine if you're that far deep and there's a 90-foot animal. And you're tethered by this little cord. And there's a 90-foot animal just kind of like batting around like a cat. Yeah, screw that. It's eating stuff that's the same size as your sub. Yeah. Uh-uh. And it's just, it's crazy to me. Uh with hands like you said oh yeah too. now they have hands just grab you, drag you down. with one of those just batting you around like a cat would a ball of yarn <laughs> like this sub with these hands these giant flipper hands you know what we're talking about clone 32 you got like three of them in the you smithsonian them. <laughs> i might know a thing or two Look about it smile. you know but we'll disclose that for later <laughs> the next one I got for you is just kind of a, a generalization, but giant cephalopods. So that means uh, squids, octopus, that kind of stuff. Uh, we just did a Patreon episode a couple weeks back about the Puget Sound giant octopus. Anybody doesn't know, it's the Straits Bridge. Uh, I believe that was the name of it. Straits Bridge, right? Sound right? It sounds right. Uh, so it collapsed. It was one of the worst bridge failures in the U.S. Didn't uh, I think only one person went in the water, but... It was just complete. It was a brand new type of bridge. They built it. The first little gale knocked this giant bridge over. So they turned it into basically an artificial reef. And is the number one habitat on the planet for a giant Pacific octopus. Uh, because this Puget Sound has a bunch of nutrients pushed into it. It's shallow. It's full of killer whales. But this bridge is full of uh, a giant octopus. From the bridge, we even just had a listener say they seen uh, had an octopus experience from this bridge. Mm -hmm. But when you're driving and look, you can see this old bridge and it's just covered in octopus just everywhere. You can see these giant octopus and normal giant octopus. Uh, but there's stories of these truly gargantuan creatures. So funny thing about octopus is they grow incredibly fast. So giant squids, everybody's seen giant squids at home, whatever. Uh, we believe they get to that 40 foot length in under two years. So their growth rates are extreme. They're extremely accurate predators, extremely high. You know, they're eating everything. So they can't eat very big prey. Their, uh, their esophagus runs right through the middle of their brain. So if you eat something too big, you get a headache. Mm. Uh, but they get monstrous. They get so big so fast. So colossal squids, they get about 3,000 pounds. But octopus, you know, the biggest specific octopus was 500 pounds and 30 foot across. So... 
and that was one random one animal. Imagine seeing that. And then you have these things like the Puget Sound octopus is supposed to be 100 feet wide. And you have like the, the Luca, which is a couple weeks away on Patreon. Uh, the Luca is a in the Caribbean. Have you guys seen the blue holes in the Caribbean area? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's supposed to be a Luca's holes. So each hole is supposed to have its own Luca, uh, which is a giant, kind of like a Kraken. But it's much more if you don't mess with me, I won't mess with you kind of creature than you know, the Kraken just dragging ships down for the heck of it. Uh, but people say that they've been over these blue holes and seen these giant black shadows get out of them, leave them and go into a different blue hole. Uh, it's crazy. Hmm. And Lucas are supposed to be like, well, there's some religious stuff around them with them uh, being guardians of knowledge and stuff like that. Uh, but the giant cephalopod, is just something that to me, isn't that strange as in, the likelihood of it being real because we have giant cephalopods. Cephalopods get big quick. Uh, they don't fossilize well. You know, most of the time we have their beaks. Uh, way before we even proved any of the giant, you know, the giant squids, colossal squids, whatever, we define their beaks from the bellies of sperm whales. There's one beak in the Smithsonian. No, there isn't. It's <laughs> uh, oh, supposed to be three oh, times covering shit yeah. up. Covered it up. And this is when you, I don't think they have it on display. And I know people have requested to see it before, but it's supposed to be about three times the size of the biggest uh, colossal squid beak we have today. And a couple biologists believe it's a whole new species. It just hasn't been discovered yet. Uh, every there's, they just started exploring a new trench in the Pacific ocean. It's not Mariana's trench. It's just North of that, uh, where they've only had three dives and have already discovered probably a hundred new species. And, they're going down there with these great big bright lights to a, uh, to a world that has very limited light. So the stuff we were discovering is a stuff that's slow. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that can kind of move is probably getting up out of there pretty quick when you're shining these giant, giant massive lights. flashlights. Yeah. <laughs> and, but do you blame them? Well, if you're sitting down there, you know, five, six miles down, would you turn off the lights? Uh, yeah. The first light you ever seen show up, I'd be out of there too. Well, I mean, would you turn, if you were in the sub, oh, would you turn the... off the lights? Oh, heck no. And heck would no. Be scary if all these eyes start lighting up, you know, everywhere around you. Yeah. Well, like hatchet fish, we talk about those, you know, they, they look really scary in the dark because they have these big bioluminescent sacks around their eyes. So their eyes, they look like they have massive eyes. So they look like giant predators and they're like the size of your hand, but they school up and they, you know, it's just crazy to me. But mm. to your point Anything too to add, about Jaber? like it being probable is that, a lot of these animals were considered cryptids or considered like, hey, this weird thing. Even gorillas and kangaroos were thought to be mm-hmm. like, oh, man, there's this strange thing. No one see-. And then once we know what they are, we can identify it. And, and I know there's some like aspects of like interdimensional and stuff. But I think some are just species we haven't discovered. You know what I mean? 100%. Uh, have you guys ever heard of a beaked whale? Yeah. Okay. So everybody at home that may not have. Beaked whales are a very cryptic group of whales. Uh, several species have only ever been seen once. Uh, these are whales that still most species get between 40 and 50 feet long, and they have gigantic tusks. Uh, and they're generally very gentle from the species we do observe uh, with each other. They're extremely gentle animals, but they are covered most of the time in these deep gouging scars. But they're some of the deepest diving animals and the longest diving animals on the planet. So what we believe is uh, they're hunting animals that are either close to their same size from their battle scars, and they're using these tusks for penetration. They're using these tusks for battling. 
as far as we have observed with them, and like I said, they're, that's been very limited, they don't battle each other for dominance. So we think they're hunting quite big prey they, down in the bottom of the ocean. They look occultic, though. A lot of the like scars almost look like uh, hieroglyphs or like uh, things yeah. you would see in an Egyptian pyramid. It's, it's almost like a code, so maybe there's some kind of like connection. Like They're the real leader down there, you know, like... Those Illuminati dolphins we've talked about before, then maybe they're in connected. Dolphins. It's beaked whales, baby. <laughs> uh, hey, Justin, let me yeah. ask you this. You're talking about octopus. So they share human genes for intelligence. They have the very similar genes as far as intelligence goes with humans. So we were talking about DNA splicing. Do you think that considering that we've done all kind of things behind the scenes with chimera do you think that's one of the things that they would look to do is splice octopus dna with human dna considering like you said they grow so fast too their growth rate's insane so what do you think about so, that octopus so octopus have a thing that's called black dna and what that means is that there's a lot of their dna that we do not understand and it's very pliable so if you were doing that kind of experiment, that would definitely be one. Uh, so octopus have an individual brain for each tentacle, and then they have a main brain. So it's kind of this gigantic brain complex. So it's very weird like how each tentacle can function. It kind of can have a mind of its own. The main brain will give a task and designate those tasks to the little brains. So imagine if you could have that with humans. The only reason octopus have not taken over the planet is because they die as a part of the reproductive cycle. So all of their knowledge is genetic, not learned, not as in not learned from a parent. Uh, if they were able to pass on learned knowledge, they would already taken us out a long time ago because uh, they are incredibly intelligent, problem-solving creatures. If you were going to have one, that would be an animal definitely worth uh, hybridizing with because extremely strong. They, they have a, basically their muscles are more like hydro, uh, hydraulic muscles. Each suction cup can pick up so much weight. Uh, can rotate. They have teeth and taste buds on each suction cup. Like they're very odd animals. And the evolution of octopus and squids doesn't make a lot of sense to me, personally. Uh, and I don't believe in the theory of evolution. I do believe species change and adapt over time. Uh, you know, they can become a species can become a new species. I do believe in that. I don't believe in the start. Uh, but if you look at octopus and squids, they basically they're mollusk. You know, they came from a snail with facial tentacles. And there were shelled squids, and the cuttlefish still retain today their, their internal shell. It's like a big, hard piece in the back of their head. Uh, but there's a lot of missing links for cephalopods. So I definitely could see if that would be on the docket for hybridization. Like, why would you pick a... In my personally, like, if you're going to go all out, and you're going to make a human-animal hybrid, why would you pick a primate? We're, ba we're already primates. You know, that's... There's no... You're not gaining... Sure, you... You could gain muscle mass, but you could do that in your own genes, like without adding anything. You can eat, clip those things and, add, you know, bump that up. An octopus man. Yeah, I was wondering, do you guys have any predictions on what year uh, people are going to be outraged by hybrid octopus men and like the world's <laughs> strongest man competition? Well, oh, high river octoman <laughs> down by Joel. All right. Well, yeah. what I'll say is you already have one is that they do show a lot of uh, my buddy Jay, one of the Jay clones. I think it's the real Jay that says this is the soft closure. 
that the soft disclosure they have in everything. Paradise PD has dolphin hybrids, right? The inside job has a dolphin yeah. hybrid. We got that uh, show Sweet Tooth with all kinds of different animal hybrids. We're like, I'm with with you, Justin. Where it would get something that's more beneficial, like something that hey, I don't have that in my genetic code at all. Like a dolphin, uh, uh, a deer, like something that like could give us a different ability that we can't like. When, like you said, we could just boost everything else up. There is a lot of this going on though in movies and TV shows where like it's normalizing this whole hybrid life. Mm-hmm. That hey man, you know they're just mixing it together or like gene splicing, which I think you know uh, comes with that whole transhumanism thing. It kind of mixes together. Hundred percent. Octopus would be a good a good candidate for that Deadly. i think it's all um it's all just some big scheme they've been building up over the years like to combine you there's going to be some company or corporation in the future that combines you with your spirit animal so mm. you know they get all these people you know all hyped up for their inner spirit animal and then now they'll hybridize you with it in the future so it's, it's going to be a big business plan but you know it'll just kill you in like four years <laughs> when you have a a wolf arm you know replacing your leg and that's straight facts coming from Clone 32 See how he snuck it in there? Like, well, they might be doing this. He knows. He's been part of it. He's he seeing it. He's probably the one that has helped them learn how to do it behind the scenes. It's coming down the pipe. Oh, check, it's coming down the pipe. Look how excited he check is. Check about this headline. Right now. It says in Newsweek, this Drink. was in 2018, says human octopus hybrid from the future speaks accidentally Alerts an elementary school prompts lockdown. A primary school went into lockdown after a test alert about a human octopus hybrid animal was accidentally broadcast. What the? What? what? <laughs> I never even knew that. I was Soft just trying disclosure. to look. It's already here. <laughs> They're more in schools right now. They're coming. The Ohio River Octoman's coming for your kids. You heard it here first. He's coming for your kids. It was like that false uh, Hawaii missile, like uh, turning the freaking octopus man gay. <laughs> man, I have to say it. Oh. That, that's nuts oh, that's right funny. there because me and Joel had talked about it uh, uh, earlier this year, or maybe it was last year, where they accidentally had did a fake uh, school shooting thing. Remember, we were talking about that, Joel, and then he was like, they had like, oh, this yeah. R.I.P. this teacher, R.I.P. this kid. Like it was a whole thing, and now yeah. to find out it's yeah. a human hybrid octopus and they're like how does that accidentally get air oh oops <laughs> press wrong button <laughs> <laughs> at least that's kind of funny you know and not the sculpture is like serious has names the octopus man coming to get your kids is like i don't even know if i'd believe a device cheated <laughs> I, you'd I'd be, be laughing like, i'd be like some kid got a hold of this system right i wonder i wonder though if it's part of that soft disclosure they're gonna just like kind of pop it in there and let you see it real quick and then they pull it because they just want to see how people react Mm -hmm. to it it's very similar to in the early 1900s when you know in between and i've said this before on other shows but there were in but like when you go see a film in the theater they had reels right when a reel ran out they would run like kind of like a quick little trailer ad in between while they're putting in the new reel to continue the film well, there was a couple cities for two weeks that they were showing uh, what Admiral Byrd, and I know you get your butt cheeks tight, Justin, but Admiral Byrd had got some film and some pictures from Hollow Earth, and they were showing Willie Mammoth and all of these creatures in between these films. It was only for like 
two like couple cities for two weeks and then they pulled it and there were I don't even know if there's anybody left alive that saw it, but there were several people that were in their elderly years that were talking about it. Like, yeah, I saw that. It was very normal. Like, oh man, they got these creatures that are in the earth and then that was it. And they pulled it. So I wonder if it's very similar to something like that. Like, hey, we're going to show these kids this like octopus half human and see how they react. And then they're like, oh, it was nothing really. You know, it was just like a little, you know, fun, fun and Mm -hmm. games. And that right, J. Clone 32. Before we get off of uh, cephalopods as a whole, you guys ever heard of Octopolis and Oclanus? No. No. So there's two cities in the Pacific Ocean that are made up of octopus. Literally, octopus have formed two cities. Uh, now, oct- octopol- now, I just said it once, correct? I remember Oclanus. Oclanus and Octopolis. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're basically, they're, I believe they're all giant Pacific octopus, but they form these giant, like, forty to 50,000 animal cities. And they all have their little homes together, and they all leave to hunt. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, and octopus are one of the only species, besides humans, that hunt with another species actively, uh, that don't involve humans. Humans do it with several other species. You know, we could think of dogs, and even dolphins humans will hunt with. Uh, but what happened is potato groupers around the Great Barrier Reefs and stuff like that and these giant octopus are direct competition and predators of each other. Potato groupers get to be about 100 pounds. Uh, either one could eat the other one. So these giant octopus and these potato groupers could take each other out, you know, in a dead-on fight. Hmm. Uh, most fish, people don't realize, have the ability, limited ability to change color. These groupers and these octopus at one point, there will literally be a pack of these groupers and one giant octopus. These groupers will run a school of little fish into a coral reef. And they'll sit there like dogs and sit around this spot. And then they'll start flashing their skin. They start flashing these colors. And that's calling their octopus over. So he comes over and his job is he'll go inside the reef. And he'll push all these fish out to these groupers that are waiting. So they both have easier times catching food than each other, than being hunting separately. Hmm. It's very interesting stuff. It's like a treaty they worked out. Yeah. But through color. So yeah. octopus use like color as language. Uh, that you know, it's not just emotions and camouflage. It's literally they have complex language. They just did that study, uh, and I believe it was twenty nineteen or two thousand twenty, uh, where they had a not a ringed octopus. They had some smaller species of octopus in a home, and they had it for two years. And they put this giant aquarium through every room in this house. And the whole end of the study was to see if octopus could dream. But their family got attached to this octopus, and literally the little girl. They had like a nine year old girl. This and the octopus became like super good friends. Well, this little girl had this little camera that she would take pictures of everything. One day it disappeared and they found it a couple weeks later in the, in the, one of the octopus's tanks. It had followed this family through the whole house and taking, taking pictures of them. It was crazy. It knew what the camera did and it wanted to take pictures of the family. It's just the amount of intelligence there right then is just mm. incredible. It, like I said, if they didn't die in the part of the reproductive cycle, they would already Wipe this off the face of the planet. Octopus! <laughs> Scared me. <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> I, th- I think the uh, octopus and potato grouper dynamic uh, sounds like a, like an animated series you can make. There you go. Hmm, that sounds that sounds like something fun. Octopotato. Yeah. But uh, I mean, have you guys heard about the Ohio River Octoman? Mm, no. 
Yes, yeah, for okay. you. This is, but I think it was last year at some point you had told me a little bit about. So it. that was literally a giant octopus man in the Ohio River. He probably he wasn't doing that hot because when he died, we think he died in Kentucky because the last sighting of him was in like a little creek, and he was just kind of floating there, not moving. I'm pretty sure he was dead. But he was coming up on the highway around Cincinnati and uh, a couple of the other towns. Uh, but he was seen in the Ohio River. It, I mean, anything. Ohio River is not the easiest place to live in before East Palestine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, now it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But it's very interesting that these octopus have always kind of humans have always had a fascination with them being our monsters, them being the crack. You know, it's. It's very weird, but when you look at them, they're very intelligent. They dream. They have emotions. They, you know, they have complex thoughts. What about Pirates they of the Caribbean, dogs, man? Pirates of the Caribbean mm-hmm. have those, remember, wow. like, they're ghost octopus, or there's some kind of, like, creature, remember? Like, I think it's in, what, two or three? Yeah, yeah. And they kind of show it. Or he has the, the big drum to summon it. So it's something we've, like, dealt with for a lot. I didn't really hear about that Ohio uh, uh, aquatic or aqua, what'd you say, Aquaman? I, I did hear, Octo-man. though, the theme song for... Uh, J Clone Thirty Two. You know what I'm saying? He gets down. That's by Ween. <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite bands. Man, even his flap was <laughs> dancing was right there. around. <laughs> that's off the Ween album, The Mollusk. That's a great album. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually love Ween. Justin hates him, but I, I love I, I have Ocean Man on my playlist. Well, remember I played you a Ween album on one of our travels. <laughs> the rest of the song sucks. And the rest just, of the song sucks. Oh yeah. Ocean Man's fine. <laughs> Ocean Man's great. Uh the last kind of group I have for you before <laughs> I'm done with my list is the giant marine reptiles. Uh it's a it's a very weird thing that still pops up. So Mosasaurs existed uh, from the Jurassic through the Jurassic. Uh some of them getting quite large. You know, Tylosaurus was our biggest one that we have skeletal, full skeletal remains of. That was about 55 foot and 40,000 pounds. So killer whale sized, uh, you know, in, which is not a small animal, but it's not these giant ones like you see in Jurassic Park and stuff like that. I believe yeah. the Jurassic Park one's like 95 foot long, you know, blue whale sized. Uh, but we're still seeing marine reptiles. What a lot of people don't realize is there was even marine, giant marine salamanders and giant marine crocodilians at the end of the Jurassic period. Uh, there was a giant filter-feeding crocodile that we think went extinct. They call them pa- the pancake crocodile, the pancake jaw. They had these massive heads. They probably look like whale heads. Uh, but in ca- the Carnival Cruise, and I believe this is 2012, 2013, Carnival Cruise creature was kind of described as turtle-shaped. So this whole crew, I believe it had 150 witnesses for the Carnival Cruise creature. They seen what they thought was a whale beside the ship, which is an odd whales will kind of come check out stuff. So everybody runs that side of the ship to see the whale. As they're watching it, they realize it's a giant sea turtle. And just from the shape, you know, it's kind of got the sea turtle front end, but it doesn't really look like a shell. Everybody at home, I don't know if you've seen leatherback sea turtles, but they have a very squishy shell because they get so big. You know, they don't need their shell for protection when they're adults. Uh, but it has these big front flippers, tiny back flippers. It's very sea turtle-esque. Until the end, when it picks its head up, and it's just got this giant monster head, very crocodilian-like, with these big teeth, and it's swimming beside the ship, and it keeps kind of looking up and going, and then it gets bored, and then it cuts off and veers off. Uh, creatures like that have been seen throughout history. Uh, there was the what we talked about in that episode, the Nazi U-boat monster. Mm-hmm. 
literally uh, two submarines were fighting off the coast of England. And as the U-boat was sinking, they seen uh, they blew up the U-boat and they accidentally killed a giant marine crocodile is how they described it. Is that they when it blew up, this crocodile floated to the surface. And they're like, didn't it fly into the air? It did. Yeah. And they're like, because the, the ship blew up when the, when the yeah. water hit the, uh, the boiler. It. Yeah. yeah it launched and they're like, it. what the hell's happening here? <laughs> yeah. And even the Germans talked about like when their ships go down is a big crocodile, kind of Captain Hook-esque, uh, would kind of follow them around and eat the survivors. Ooh. Uh, and that's documented. That's documented in, and you know, everybody knows at home, the Nazis were great at documentation. But it was very easy to prosecute them. Hey, can you can someone isolate that little section of you saying the Nazis were great at what? <laughs> no, just <Nice. laughs> oh, I got you putting it everywhere. Yeah, true. We're gonna get the video clip of it too. So and we're just gonna and we'll put a little song to it. Not, not Nazis are great. That is <laughs> canceled. But, no. <laughs> right? It's yeah, easy to do. It's, it's not hard to happen anymore. Hey, yeah. Justin, I've seen. Uh, drawings of that particular uh crocodile with the flippers yeah. that you're talking about the one that shot mm. up in the air because i remember that story as a kid and i saw it next to i guess what would be considered a uh pleosaur a mm -hmm. plesiosaur and they said that that would be the size of its head like its whole body would be the size of that crocodile like oh. creature's head so so that's how big those things are though right. they can get um, from what I've so, plesiosaurs are the other group of marine reptiles that everybody is thinks about. There's two types. There's the ones with the long neck and tiny head, and there's the ones with the short neck and the really, really big head. And uh, do I think so? We talk about coversion evolution all the time on our show, and all that means is that similar. Different creatures will evolve to look very similar if they're doing the same doing the same niche in the environment. Do I personally think the plesiosaurs and the mosasaurs are still around? I personally don't think so. Uh, not saying there, there couldn't be a couple species that slipped through like anything else. I think what we're seeing is a new species, a new group of animals that filled that same niche. You know, it's just it they look very similar. And they may be crocodilians. Crocodiles have taken since you know since the crocodiles have been around, they've there was a cat-like crocodile. And there was Borosuchus that literally rammed dinosaurs to break their legs to eat them. Uh, so crocodiles will take hold of any kind of shape they can get into. Mm. And they're very smart. People don't look at them and they don't think of... Uh, what did we just talk about? Uh, what was the name of that? Gustav. Uh, the, has the highest kill count of any single animal for humans. And they've been trying to kill him. And he's still alive today. Gustav in Africa, the big crocodile. Uh... They've tried to kill him. They've tried to catch him. They can't do anything. He he definitely knows what a gun is. But I think his body counts well over a thousand people now. Oh my gosh. And he'll come in and eat half a village in a couple weeks and then he'll disappear for three or four years. <laughs> oh uh, and it's crazy. And then he, he goes around this whole big river system in Africa and uh, like literally the towns will be abandoned the first time that like a crocodile kills somebody in the, by the river and because it's Gustav. And there's pictures of them. Like, there's tour boats that go. So right now what they're doing with him is they have a whole tourist industry built around him. And they're trying to feed him enough to where he doesn't eat people <laughs> anymore. Uh, just because he's monstrous. I believe he's around 19 foot long saltwater crocodile. Just, or, or he's a Nile. I can't remember now. He's just a monster. A true monster. So they're incredibly smart creatures, I guess is what I'm getting at. 
We need a new Steve Irwin to catch him. Oh, if Steve Irwin was still alive, he, Gustav would be in the zoo. <laughs> let's, let's clone him. You would just see Steve Irwin's head go underneath the water and Gustav's head go underneath the water. You'd see the water stress, like thrashing around. You'd see a little bit of blood come up and Steve Irwin would drag him out by the tail. <laughs> right, yeah. That'd be it. Like, literally. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these pictures, man. Good. Doesn't he look like a monster? And I love crocodiles, but he looks oh, like a monster. He's a water demon. God. Like his head is bigger than some of these uh some of these mammals that they have in Africa. Yeah. Like I don't know if you can find the picture of him like dragging off a wildebeest. Uh but literally yes. it's his like oh it, the wildebeest fits in his head and has the size of a small cow. Like that's wild, man. I just saw it. Oh my god. Gustav is that's a crazy. true monster in every sense in uh they, I think they have it as over a thousand people he's killed in like the last 10 years. But they, there's one estimate I think that puts it like in some ungodly number, like 15,000 or whatever. Because <laughs> these are probably around 90 years old at this point. Uh, so there's yeah. other, there's like the whole town disappearances that have been blamed on him and stuff like that. Because he would just sit, you have to drink water. You have to go to the river to get water. Uh, so if you have a monster sitting there. Yeah. A head the size of a cow. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, literally. So right now they're just trying to throw a whole bunch of food at him to keep him from eating people. You're like, I wonder if I could catch rain instead of going to that river. Like, can I find well, water Africa. some other Rain's way? very seasonal. <laughs> yeah. Like build a big straw. <laughs> if you could go over and start pushing the straw out there and it's just pushing this big like slurpy straw and just these big eyes pop up and grab the straw. Start pulling it no, in. We're not building Let's up to it. the heavens. We're building so we can drink over the river over that monster. <laughs> he was famous for so what in Africa they'll do is they'll make these like boxes to swim and wash in and stuff like that. He was famous for getting out of the water at night, going into those boxes and waiting for people. So this little area you thought was safe is where this he would be the entire area. It's crazy. Like animals aren't evil. But if animals could be evil, this would probably be about the closest one to it. Because <laughs> uh, just fully malicious. And he's almost like they thought most of his diet is human. Dang. Uh, but true man eater. But that's kind of the ones I got for you to introduce this thought of these ocean monsters. Or, you know, the ocean is so big. We're literally still discovering new species of whale. Right, exactly. And it's home to the, what we think is the largest living animal ever exist the blue whale 110 feet long you know our biggest one we ever recorded i believe is 115 foot long and almost 500 000 pounds half a million pound animal just you know it's just monstrous so a railroad a car the average grain railroad car it's something here in the u.s most people see empty is fifty thousand pounds that's 10 empty railroad cars so last episode, That's you guys happened. made a good point then. We were like, hey, Dogman or uh, C1. So now, right now, I think you guys make a good argument that uh, I'd rather fight a Dogman if, if it comes down to it. <laughs> right. Depends, yeah. <laughs> Depends of the diapers you'll be wearing to fight them. Right, yeah. <laughs> or it might be over fast well, those with are one of these guys. ocean ones, though. It might be over pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, they're just going to swallow you whole, and that, I think that's going to suck the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you suffocate you know because you're gonna yeah it, you're just, it's gonna suck either way it's gonna <laughs> yeah, suck yeah just at least the dog man's ripping you apart fast i guess stringing you from tree to tree <laughs> yeah making yeah you know, that kid making it into ornaments 
Oh my gosh. So Joel, what do you got? All right. So this is the part of the show. If anybody's been listening to Floating Mushrooms, where it's about to get extra weird. And I'm going to break down some occult and some biblical monsters of the sea, or just even aquatic, right? So I got three today that we're going to get into, and we're just going to get a little weird here. And I'm going to start out kind of chill, and I, and, and I can tell you right now, Justin, we'll clench up <laughs> with this particular subject, but we're going to get into Nessie and... The fact that the lake is connected to the ocean uh, will play into this a little bit, but I'm going straight occult here. I'm going straight created by man using demonic entities and fallen angels. It will get It's a big salamander. And I don't discount that those are there too. I'm just picking. So I, I like to. I like yelling. I do like the fact of where you're talking about eels before that there could be groupings of eels there. I don't see how it all couldn't coexist in the same sphere. But we're gonna start with uh, J clones. All the J clones. One of their favorite pals, Alistair Crowley, and we're gonna break down Alistair Crowley and how that he is said to be the one that created Nessie with a lot of uh, demonic intervention. So there is a house that's in the Loch Ness. It's called Boleskine House. And it was built in the 1760s, but Crowley got ownership of it in 1899, and he had it from 1899 to 1913. During this time, his whole agenda was to go there and complete these complex magic rituals. And the reason why he wanted this house there is because it was secluded. He could do a lot of really wild stuff, and it wouldn't affect people close by because there wasn't a lot of people close by to this Boleskin house. Outside of some of his servants that worked with him, and we'll even get into how some of they some of them went crazy too uh during this time. But anyway, he was doing a set of rituals, and there's this book called The Sacred Magic of Abraham the Mage. And he took this house because, again, proper precautions against any disturbances, which could just be people showing up there or anything. So he knew that this was going to be secluded and he want it, the whole goal was to get this knowledge and conversation from a holy guardian angel. Now you know how I feel about that. If Crowley's trying to connect with a guardian angel, this ain't no good no. angel that he's trying to talk to. He's definitely not. This man was also known as the wickedest man in the world at one point, which he totally was all about. Like he he held the moniker. Matter of fact, this guy got kicked out of the Druids and the Freemasons. So that'll let you know how wild Aleister Crowley was. He got kicked out of two of the most, you know, clandestine and in some people's minds, evil groups of all time. And basically the house was a, it was like a, a it was a low, long building and he lined it with mirrors all inside which if you know anything about the occult mirrors play into that because you're trying to <laughs> evoke 
entities out of these mirrors um, and vice versa. You're, you, some, some people are said to use the mirrors as portals to go through this other realm or other realms. And he practiced black mass and he summoned demons there. And it was said that he wasn't able to finish these incantations because part of these incantations was he had to remain celibate. <laughs> it was one of them. And he couldn't do any drugs, which is known fact that Crowley did a ton of hallucinogenics, mescaline being one of them. And he couldn't do any of that. So for six months, he was there doing like all these rituals and he ended up leaving because he was like, I just can't finish the rituals. It's too much. I like sex too much. I like drugs too much. I'm out of here and I need to practice this magic better before I come back. It said, though, that because of what he conjured during that time, that he created Nessie from this entire mishap. So this monster that never got fully finished, this magic that never got fully finished, created this monster that from then on haunted this entire lake from generations. And it kind of makes sense, too, when you're looking at it from this Loch Ness monster perspective. If he quit, doing this around 1913. I mean, you didn't really start hearing a whole lot about these this this particular monster harassing people until after that. Also, the locals said that every Sunday he dropped a sheep off there to feed it. So he fed this monster once a week on Sundays, which I find it funny that he did it on the not technically the Sabbath, but what Christians would consider the Sabbath on a Sunday, that he was feeding this, this Loch Ness monster a sheep uh, during this time. And this place gets weirder, too, in the fact that you had a series of people that bought this house after Aleister Crowley. Yeah, Jimmy Page from mm -hmm. Led Zeppelin, which he was creating all of these rituals inspired by Crowley. And it's funny... After he left the house and sold the house, that's when his whole career went downhill. It mm. all went into shambles right after that. And you look at any of these other people that bought it afterwards, it was said that the craziest things would happen. As a matter of fact, his, his servants that were there with him, two of the lodgekeeper's children died. One of them went mad and killed himself. The other one just quit because she was like, uh-uh, I'm not dealing with any of this, especially if you got like a pet. He called him Nessie, pet Nessie running around that he's throwing sacrificial sheep to. You had Major Edward Grant who ended up getting it later too. He ended up shooting himself in the bedroom of the place. So you had all of these weird things happening in this place. And I'm wondering too if it had to do with this Nessie monster, demonic monster, that was harassing these people. Some people think it was a Cthulhu that he created in a part of this, and that's what Nessie is, this like Cthulhu. I'm even going to go a little bit deeper and tighten them up, Justin. I even think maybe that this actual creature was one of these prehistoric dinosaur creatures that was created by fallen angels as an avatar host for whatever entity that he was conjuring up to connect into this that's now harassing this lake for, for all time. And just the fact that he himself said that he was talking to a guardian angel on deck during this time, you can make that connection. 
So I'm just saying, man, this is wild that you can connect a beast, this Cthulian beast or whatever you want to consider it, that he created. And honestly, he didn't finish the magic. So this thing's angry <laughs> that's running around this lake. So two things, I guess three things. I don't even want to say the first one. Never mind. <laughs> but no, so we when we did our nasty episode, uh, we talked about Aleister Crawley. Uh, so if I'm not mistaken, it was the Black Lodge ritual as what he was doing there is one of the major ones. And he said that uh, one of those things, the thing that got into the lake was one of the creatures that was kept in the Black Lodge that got out and he was never able to put it back in. Uh, which, to me, I could see with some of the stuff, but Nessie's been seen since 500 AD, you know, the Loch Ness Monster. So it would be, for it being the early 19th, uh, 1900s, this doesn't, uh, not all of it, you know, there was something there beforehand. Second thing is the sheep feeding was a common practice in the 17th and 18th century around the Loch. Is literally all winter long is when they said the monster would get extremely active. So what they would do is they take any sheep they had that was sick and weak because if you and then they put it by a stake by the lakes, uh, by the lock. They said if you didn't, and the creature got hungry, it would come out and eat all of your sheep. You know, if it got up, if it had to come all the way up the hill, it's going to eat whatever it's going to eat. So they would take anything weak, anything old, and they would basically sacrifice it to this creature. Uh, well, let me get let me yeah. give what Justin's first one really was. He was like, Joel, you know, I'm going to come it over it. Pretty much. <laughs> respectfully that's what's going on in his no, disrespect. Yeah. no disrespect no disrespect no disrespect but yeah no it's i do think like i think a lot of the main sightings especially some of the old ones we talked about like we did what do we do on Loch Ness? five hours uh, yeah, a lot six hours <laughs> yeah i think a lot of it is giant salamanders or eels or whatever but there definitely could be a more paranormal side to it and i don't know how i personally feel about alistair crawley I, any given day, I go back and forth because at the end of his life, he didn't want to be uh, he didn't want to be in the media, the evilest man in the world, even though that was the moniker he created for himself. There's some points at the end of his life where he went to do interviews with people and stuff like that. And he's just like, I'm not I'm not that bad a guy. Like, literally, you sold yourself as the evilest man in the world. Eating blood cakes and all this stuff. Everyone finds salvation. No, it's rebranding, bro. Like to me, it's rebranding. He's seen that that wasn't work. Like you build that image, just like Mike Tyson, right? The baddest man on the planet, and he's rebranded himself as like, oh, the nice, cool old man that might knock you out, but you know what I mean? Just smokes a little weed and this and that. I think it's just rebranding so he can further get his occultic knowledge out there. And and who knows? Like he's probably mm. still around here. I mean. No, in the bushes, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, like, his daughter, his daughter's <laughs> tied with bushes. I mean, I just think it keeps going. That way, you know that society's changing, and they don't accept that evil man anymore. So they're like, ah, oh, well, let, let's rebrand it so people will continue my work. Mm -hmm. And then, Joel, for there for a minute, my brain just didn't hear you say about the dinosaur thing. <laughs> just refused to, refused to take just, that yeah, in. I'm going to tell you right now, and, and listen, and listen. I guess what I meant more was a lot of this mainstream talk of Nessie didn't happen until later on in the 1940s. So, uh, yeah, the 1940s is when it really started. I think it was started. a little bit right. Uh, so to me, I think that's when this thing was really prevalent that was 
concocting this up. Do I think there's other stuff going on in the light? Absolutely. But I don't put it past the fact that Aleister Crowley had something to do with something weird going on in this paranormal space. And maybe it is some sort of Cthulhu monster that's, you know, harassing people or was at least for a period of time. Uh, and yeah, it very well could have been a prehistoric dinosaur that it was used to avatar by fallen angels in the past. <laughs> Get them tight. What if Nephilim be. become fake and gay, though? Just like space <laughs> and dinosaurs. That's what I'm worried about because these things happen. Well, I think they were bisexual <laughs> from the anyway. Jump. So <laughs> they were trans there. from the jump, man. <laughs> <laughs> they were always in orgies and stuff, and this is known throughout. They're any, the like, they're the P Diddy. History, so they're the I P Diddy's of the cryptid. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. So uh, we're gonna move on to my Ooh, next. Wait, can I can I uh, comment on that real quick? Oh my god! With the Alistair yeah, go Crowley ahead. and Loch Ness, um, you know. Just to try to combine a little science what? into this, you know. I hate you already. I don't even know what you're about to say, and I hate it. Water, I mean, water is basically <laughs> like a harboring ground, you know, for life and growth, correct? You know, it's like a Petri dish. And what if they use the lock itself and its special characteristics to, like, summon these demons or these beasts or these other dimensional uh, spirits or I don't know, energies, and they embodied a creature and, you know, they harbored it and they kept it alive inside of a creature that already did exist in the lock. And this was just an area that was just, they could keep this creature in this realm through that, uh, through that body, that vessel. And then when he never finished his rituals, it remained in the lock. And so it's still here. And that's why you only see it from time to time because it's half paranormal, half biological. What, what say you, Mr. E, to that? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Who there knows? You know. Anything is possible. You're right. You're correct. Wise man once said that. I love it how Clone 32 comes with these like extra wild theories, but they're not really theories. He knows. He knows they're deep cuts. Like a part of it behind the scenes. <laughs> he's pulled out the manual to <laughs> find that cuts. one. His flap's going crazy again, <laughs> y'all. Quivering. Yeah, <laughs> I need like a rubber band to hold it down. I get excited. It's like a sailfish. It just starts <laughs> shooting up when he gets excited. You ever seen Howard the Duck when his hair quills stand up on his head? That's what's going on right now. That was soft disclosure for J Clone Thirty Two. I gotta throw nuggets out, you know, every now and then. Breadcrumbs. <laughs> Breadcrumbs. <laughs> Okay. So we'll jump into this next one here. Uh, I'm going to start getting a little biblical here on these next two. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about, and a lot of people don't think of as being some sort of cryptid or something different, is the fish from Jonah and the fish mm. that Jonah was swallowed by. And there's some really cool stuff with that whole thing. Uh, that I'll break down on why I think that this was a cryptid. And I'm going to play into Cryptids of the Corn, how they talk about these one-offs. And I think this could have been a one-off cryptid that was created for a specific purpose and also was to kind of throw a couple digs at the, Ninev at the Ninevites as well. And I'll break down that too. So if anybody doesn't know the story of Jonah and the fish, God basically called Jonah to go to the city-state called Nineveh, and he was supposed to go tell them to repent and to follow the Lord. He didn't want to do that. He was like, man, these Ninevites are crazy. You know, they, they worship these crazy gods. 
Uh, they weren't particularly, you know, great towards Israelites either. So he just wasn't about it. So he gets on this ship and he's like, man, I'm going to hide on the ship. Well, huge storm happens. The sailors on the ship know something's not right. So they're like, hey, this is like supernatural. What's going on? And finally, they start drawing lots and Jonah loses. And he basically tells them, like, look, I'm just trying to hide. Like, they're like nah, that's not happening. So we're going to throw you off the ship as a sacrifice to stop the storm, which they do throw him off the ship and it does stop the storm. Well, during that time, there is a giant fish that comes up, swallows Jonah, and Jonah's basically stuck in this fish's belly for three days. And he's in there. Finally, he's like praying and he's like, look, I'll, I'll go. I'll go to Nineveh. I'll do what you're asking me to do. Just get me out of this fish. So he gets he gets thrown up by the fish on the shores of Nineveh, which a lot of these like Ninevites saw, and he goes and he preaches repentance, which a lot of them end up repenting and following God. So that's that's just the basic line of the story. So I'm gonna read a couple verses and then I'm gonna talk about what this fish was able to do. And maybe Justin will have some idea of maybe if this was a one-off, or maybe it ties into something that he might know of in the ocean. So Jonah 1, 15 through 17, it says, so they took up Jonah, these are the sailors, and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So we'll get into the fact that it says that the Lord prepared a great fish. So in the Hebrew, what it seems to mean is that he just made this one-off, just, just for this purpose to swallow Jonah to do this one thing. Because if you look at even the tales of, because a lot of people think this was a whale, right? Yeah, That's like Pinocchio, the same, the same thing with Pinocchio, where they think it was a whale. It's a similar story. He's inside there. But the actual book talks about the terrible dogfish, you know what I mean? And this dogfish... That's like enormous, as big as like six buildings or the high of that. So that's why I don't know. I personally don't know if it's a one off because you were saying that. And I was like, I don't know one off because of that, because there's other encounters of this dogfish. So if you want to break down this creature and why it's unique. Um, one of the things is it was able to supply oxygen to Jonah for three days, which if you know, there's a story that people bring up a lot about this boy that was swallowed by a, by a whale, sperm whale, actually, in 1891. Um, they said he was in there for maybe 24 to 48 hours, or a few hours, actually, and they retrieved um, the boy out of there. The, the whale was dead, they retrieved the boy out of there, and they said that the boy was okay. Now, again, it just doesn't seem possible because it's not going to supply oxygen like that to the kid, and there's varying reports on if this story was even true, and they also say that the kid had brain damage if it was true, so he wasn't able to get this oxygen to his brain like they said, and I just don't see somebody surviving you know, three hours without oxygen. It's just not, it's not possible. In the stomach? So that part yeah. of it, yeah, in the stomach of the whale, sperm whale, as a matter of fact. Yeah, you'd be... Now, when they found the whale, it was dead. You'd be dead. You'd have other right. problems besides the oxygen. Like, all the stomach acid. I just think... Eat. Yeah. 
Right. The thing is, though, people bring that story up to equate it to Jonah and saying, well, this is what happened. Jonah was in a sperm whale. It was a whale. I don't think it was a whale. I agree with Sean. It was some sort of fish. Also, this is really crazy, too, in the same uh, verse structure. It said, the waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went to the bottoms of the mountains. So clearly they went to some sort of like undersea mountain that he was able to see. So now there's been some thought that this fish was also transparent, that when he was in the belly of this fish, he was able to see everything around him. He said he saw the the seaweed around him. He saw the ocean around him. So he's in some sort of transparent fish. Now, on the flip side, some people think that this was some sort of angelic UFO that may have came up, snatched him, and he's in some sort of transparent ship that takes him down underground. I just don't know, even from the Hebrew, fish is very prevalent, that it was an actual creature. So I tend to lend to the fact that it was a creature because typically in the Bible, if we're talking about UFOs or something along those lines, it'll say vessel. It's, it wasn't a vessel. This was an actual fish. So... I, I do think that it was something that dragged him down, uh, kept him for three days, three nights, and spit him up. And back to we were talking about the fish god of Nineveh, Dagon, I think it was, you know, maybe a dig from God. Maybe, maybe you know, some people think it was like a joke, like, hey, we're going to have this fish throw up this man up on the sea, and then he's going to tell people to repent. Like, well, you believe in this, you know, Dagon Here's a fish throwing up a man is going to tell you, you know, that uh, you guys should uh, may- maybe listen uh, to what he has to say. So that's Jonah's story. I'm kind of curious what Justin might have to say that maybe he knows something along those lines. And maybe, like Sean said, it's not a one off. Maybe there is a set of creatures like that underneath the ocean. So if you go with the transparent angle, the only thing that comes to mind would be something like a massive jellyfish. Uh, there are species of jellyfish, or there's even uh, cyanophores that have these giant gas-filled chambers. Uh, and they can produce their own gas and stuff like that. I'm not sure off the top of my head if oxygen is one of them, but I know they can produce gas for buoyancy as part of a biological process. Uh, so that would make a lot of sense if you go with that, with it being a transparent, like you're in a bubble. You are literally in a swimming bubble that you can see through. Uh, but I, as far as God can do whatever he wants, you know, so if he wants to make a one-off creature to really push a point, sure. I will, you know, it. I could really see that. Uh, whales, so the only thing with a whale, and why I think people go with that, is whales can have a, like, they can have a void in their mouth. Uh, blue whales can fit a whole African elephant in their mouth. Uh, and they are air breathers, so they can push air into their mouth, and they could breathe, you know, and they keep it reoxygenated. Uh, but no, I, it, the, I feel like they would have said whale. You know, they knew what whales were. You know, they knew what dolphins were. They knew what, you know, if it wasn't, if it was a whale, they would have said whale. You know, these aren't people that, most of these, most of these cultures are fishermen. You know, they're on the open ocean constantly. They know, they're familiar with all the basic creatures. Uh, so I'm going giant god jellyfish. That's what I'm saying. I like that, though. That even ties into your uh, As Above, So Below with your Floating Mushrooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shameless plug for the show, Floating Mushroom. So you got Floating Mushrooms Above that you've actually talked about. I've snatched people up that have 
give them hallucinogenic mm-hmm. properties where they may think something's going on, you know, snatching them up, dropping them off other places. Maybe this is some sort of transparent floating mushroom under the there sea. Sinking mushroom. Sinking mushroom. <laughs> uh, but like we said, the ocean is already full of so many weird animals. The longest animal we have alive today is the lion's mane jellyfish, if I'm not mistaken, and that's around 400 feet long. Uh, so you already have truly gigantic, truly gigantic jellyfish. And I believe the bell of that creature is around 20 feet wide. So, you know, it's as long as a pickup truck. It's as wide as a pickup truck and, you know, up to 400 feet long. Uh, so, and that's one we know about. And they're they're pretty rare to see those big lion main jellyfish. A lot of times people just randomly run into them in the open ocean. And they look around and they think they're in a school of jellyfish. And the longer they look, they realize they're in a jellyfish. Just one. Uh, so there are truly monstrous jellyfish. And then cyanophores. Cyanophores are a whole crazy thing. So everybody at home that may not be familiar with the cyanophore, it's a colonial organism. It's a whole bunch of tiny little things that basically lock arms to make a really big body. And some of them are quite large and impressive. The Portuguese man-o-war is the best example. Most people think they're jellyfish. They're not. They're cyanophore. So there isn't... They produce gas. I would be interested to see if, that would be an, if they produce oxygen. I'm not sure what gas they produce to float through sails. But that would be one... Definitely. I mean, do you need 100% oxygen no, to but survive? But you do need oxygen. Right, yeah. If it's like half oxygen, half nitrogen, yeah, would you? Well, right now, you're breathing, I believe, around 25%. Oxygen? Yeah. Oh, see? Okay. So you don't need, like, nitrogen's fine. Like, nitrogen, the only reason nitrogen is dangerous for divers is because it will degas from your bloodstream when you come up too fast, mm-hmm. you know, make bubbles. If you go slow, it naturally, your body will naturally take care of the decompression. 100% oxygen can make you really high. Like it just, it, it's just your blood is too oxygen rich. You you can't process like you can't process normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was is oxygen think, even real? I, no, <laughs> <laughs> and that's today's. No one fact, proved it to me. Fact. I haven't been proven. You yeah. can't see it. I can't see it. <laughs> yeah. I can't see it. But no, Joel, that's a very interesting. And that's like creatures from the Bible have always struck me because it's like we have this idea. And this is what, one thing I hate is that we have this idea that ancient humans were stupid and they weren't. They have the same brains we do. It's the opposite. Right. Yeah. They're incredibly intelligent and, or people, you know, just like us. We have the same brains. I think technology was better back then than it is now, or at least their understanding of technology was different, right? So, it, you know, they may have been able to utilize a different type of right. technology back then that we wouldn't understand now, right? Because people equate, like, when I say their technology was better, like, oh, well, they had, like, iPads that we wouldn't understand and all this stuff. Like, no, not necessarily. It could have just been a whole different But we could have understood it at that time. That it's utilized. just that everything was different. You know what I mean? That's like mm-hmm. just like them right. coming to us at, at this yep. time. It's not that they're not smart enough or primitive. It's just that it's something you don't know anything about. And I hate when people think that, Oh, like you should know every. It doesn't work like that. It, we're integrated. Even just look at people that have not been around computers, and they're like, "Whoa!" Like older people that, and when you introduce computers into the workplace, they were like, "I gotta go. I'm retiring. I don't know what the hell this is." You know what I mean? It scared them, and I think it's the same thing. I agree with you. I I hate when people make it seem that like they're we're prehistorical dummies. Like oh, rr, 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 like we're like grunting to each other. <laughs> so I guess the point for that was that. If it was a whale, they'd have called it a whale. You know, they knew what a whale yes. was. You know, they're not, they're yes. experiencing these animals with frequency. It's just, that's, so I do think there are, in the Bible, there are creatures mentioned. I think it's one of the books that's not included in the Bible. It talks about a dragon, an actual dragon. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And it, they existed. I fully believe they existed. It's just, I don't think they were, I don't think they were abundant. I think they were very rare creatures still in that time, but knowing about. And to that point, and to that point, we'll get into my last oh. cryptid, the Leviathan. Yes. And we'll get into what that was and what people think that it is and what I think that it is. Because again, this goes back to what you said. People weren't stupid. They wrote down what they saw. And if they knew that it was a specific thing, they would have said it. Right. And I think that's, I, I really hate, and, and, and I'm telling you, man, biblical scholars are the worst at it. I've listened to them, especially the progressive side of it. They are so bad at being like, well, this is ancient man, and ancient man didn't know what they're talking about, but we know way more than that now. And it's like, no, I think in some ways we've been dumbed down more now than what they were back then. Don't get me wrong. There was dumb people back then too, but I just mean in right. general. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that we've been taught that people were stupid back then. I don't think that's the case at all. Like, I think they use their brains just like we use our brains. Uh, it was just a different time period. But we're going to talk about the Leviathan, and I am going to read a good healthy portion of the scripture because it does talk about what this Leviathan did because it was just crazy, man. Uh, it said, uh, this is in Job now for people that want to know. Uh, Job everything 41 1 through 34 i'm not gonna read all of it um but we'll read a little bit that way people can get an idea of what this thing could do uh can't style draw out leviathan with the hook so they're saying you can't fish for it it's too big (laughs) um they're saying that or bore his jaw with a thorn it basically talks about none is so fierce that dare stir him up who is then able to stand before me? Like nothing can stand before this thing. It's just, it's massive. Skin with barbed irons is what they talk about. Um, it says his sneezing, his, his, his sneezings, which is sneezing, a light doth shine and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils go smoke as out of a seething pot or cauldron. His breath kindles coals and a flame goes out of his mouth. His neck remains strength and a sorrow is turned into joy before him. The flakes of his flesh are joined together. They are firm in themselves. They cannot be moved. His heart is as firm as stone. So basically it tells you right there that this thing breathes fire. That smoke's coming out of his nose. His mouth burning lamps go out. Sparks of fire um, it talks about flakes of his flesh are joined together. So he's got some sort of like armored scale system that's going on as well. Uh, it even talks about he spreads sharp pointed things among the mire. Uh, sharp stones are under him. So basically his feet are, are super strong, got claws. He's got super strong teeth. Um, so that is just the basic scope of it. There's way more to it, and you guys can go read that if you want to see what the Bible says about um, the Leviathan. Now, to some people that want to, you know, normalize it and make it seem like it's some normal thing, they go back to the whale again. And it's like, oh, this has to be Sounds a whale. just like a whale. That's just ancient. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's ancient, man. He just didn't know how to describe this thing. He was an idiot. He just didn't have his primitive knowledge. Again, to you, Justin, none of that sounds like a whale, but some people say that the blowhole 
expelling liquid could be mistaken as smoke. Okay. But that has nothing to do with it belching right. fire. It has nothing to do with it talking about lamps coming out of its mouth. And some people say that it could be a crocodile because it has this long mouth that it talks about in Job. It's still not breathing fire. So again, we're back to this point of it being able to breathe fire. So some people are saying, well, is there, are there any animals now that can breathe fire? There are actually a couple. Bartier beetles uh, have chemicals in them that can. Uh, hydroquinon and hydrogen produces in their bodies, and they aim it at enemies. So it's chemicals that combine to produce a burst of hot gas. Uh, here's one for you, because I know you love aquatic stuff, Justin, which I know you probably know a lot about this. The pistol mm-hmm. shrimp um, is another one that can create a compression that produces heat rivaling the temperature of the sun. So we're talking about two animals right there that can create this similar sensation. So why couldn't there been something bigger that could create an actual fire? And this goes back to what you're talking about, dragons. So I think that the Leviathan's probably in that dragon category, but I'd probably even go a bit further. So in Isaiah, it talks about they bring up the Leviathan then, uh, the Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he lay slay the dragon as in the sea. So this thing was even slaying dragons. It talks about that this thing was slaying dragons in the sea. So it's bigger. It's more powerful. It's like a just juiced up version of whatever these dragons were. Um, but I tend to think that it might have been what other cultures would consider a hydra. Because there's a verse in Psalm 74 that talks about God break the heads of Leviathan in pieces and give him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. So when you start breaking it down, the plural of heads, we all know a hydra is a sea monster that has multiple heads, and that could be what a Leviathan is. And I kind of think that that's, in my opinion, what I would equate these other cultures talking about hydras as being what the Leviathan was talked about in the Bible. Justin, is there like natural um, nature hybrids? Like, do we see that often? Like where like just naturally through nature where animals will kind of like mate or kind of crossbreed or whatever and become these hybrids? Do you know anything of that level? They have to be very, very closely related for it to happen naturally. And it's not due to even genetics. It's due to the egg in the, in the semen. Uh, so the opening on the egg is very it's like a key it's like a lock so the key has to be similar enough to even fit into the lock uh not saying that you know their genetics may be compatible but it's very hard for the semen to fertilize an egg when the lock is very different because the reason i asked that uh, is because i was wondering if it's some kind of like dragon beaked whale cross like because it it kind of reminded me of that so if I'm, if I may be mistaken, but I believe when in Bible study a long time ago, a long time ago, wasn't Leviathan made by God to show the power of God? So it's funny you brought that up because I've got a few answers for you on that. So t- in the in the biblical sense, in the Bible, it doesn't really break that down. Now, if you want to get into extracurricular Jewish text, um, they have a festival called the Sukkot. It's a festival of booths, um, and in there, it talks about in the end times that when the Leviathan is killed, they will actually uh, 
dwell in the skin of the Leviathan. It's so big. So that's just one of their traditions. Also, another really cool piece of text um, that is also uh, from the Hebrew. It's called the uh, Midrash. And the Midrash is just basically, it's expansive Jewish biblical exegesis using like rabbinic mode. So like what, what a rabbi would interpret certain prominent pieces of the Talmud. So when you understand what the Talmud is, that's uh, Old Testament. And it's just, it has a lot to do. That's, that is the, you know, book that all the rabbis go by, um, Jewish rabbis go by. So what they end up talking about in the Midrash, there's uh, two, there were two Leviathans that were created on the fifth day of creation to rule over the sea. But basically, God was like, man, these things are way too powerful. Um, they're going to basically destroy all the sea life. So he, so he slew the female so they couldn't produce any offspring. So there's only one male um, that's left. And side note, part of this tradition, it said that the female is preserved in brine to be eaten by the righteous in the time to come, which this is more tradition than anything. It's e- extra biblical. It's just something that's talked about in this rabbinic, interpretation of the Talmud, but it is part of Jewish tradition that they talk about. So maybe that's where that kind of snuck in, um, that piece of it. But yeah, it is said that God did create the Leviathan. Now, there are there are some biblical scholars that think that the Leviathan rebelled against God, kind of like the serpent in the Garden of Eden. So they think that maybe that's why he kind of sided with evil or kind of rolled with the uh, fallen angels or whatever. Um, also, this is wild too, uh, the Hebrew word, uh, Leviathan, and it's spelled a little bit different than Leviathan, but it, when it's translated to, uh, the Latin and English version, it's Leviathan, it's a male singular, and some people speculate that the creature itself is a fallen angel, that it was, is of this particular bloodline because you anything about like actual angel forms in the bible they're massive and they're crazy right. looking tons of eyes they would scare you know us to death if we saw them in their like truest form so maybe that's what the leviathan is um that's just another uh piece from biblical scholars that have dug into the Hebrew. So really where we get a lot of our, uh, where the Leviathan came from and the creation of and all that is just from extra bi- biblical okay. text from the Hebrews themselves. When we would study it in Bible study, and once again, it's a long time ago, uh, at least how I was taught is that Leviathan was to show the power of the sea and behemoth was to show the power of land. They were kind of two sides of the same coin where the, these, these mm-hmm. creatures that, weren't good or evil, but they were creatures, you know, they're just monstrous of power or to show that, uh, man can't conquer nature, but God can. And, but mm. as far as Leviathan, I like the Hydra, the Hydra angle and all that stuff, whatever. And I remember them talking about, and it's a long time ago again, but about them slaying other sea monsters, that this creature was so powerful that it would literally drag the carcass of other sea monsters out to eat. Uh, so that'd be, imagine seeing that. The thing that you seen like a week ago that was terrorizing a ship, and now it's dead and ripped apart on the beach. There's always a bigger fish. Always a bigger fish. But and he says that because he has seen it. He has seen it. Look at his. He's eyes. got the female's carcass in the Smithsonian. <laughs> I've tasted that sweet brine meat. <laughs> that sounds fl- awful. Don't don't isolate that sound. <laughs> that's going to be a new sound bite. That's that's his flap going crazy right there. <laughs> 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 
But uh, I, I don't know. To me, for personally, the Leviathan is always seemed to be like a one-off creation that was just made uh, by God or what, whatever to just be big and bad. And not as in bad as an evil, personally, in my opinion, but as in to show that it's raw power. It's, you know, it's up there with the storms on Earth. You know, it's unstoppable when it comes through. You think it's chaotic neutral? Yeah, there you go. If you had the D&D alignment chart, it's chaotic neutral. Okay. <laughs> For the C. C-based chaotic <laughs> neutral. There you go. There we go. We're figuring this out. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, God created, yeah. you know, everything, good and evil, you know, light and dark. So, you know, if it'd be better to have one giant you know, quote unquote evil or dark creature rather than like a million small ones. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think I'd rather deal with a rat, a whole bunch of rat sized ones. Yeah. But they can listen. J clone 32. I'm going to push back on you just a little bit. There. Yeah. Um, I do agree with you that God creates perfectly, but right. I think fallen angels can create. And I think humans can create too. So yep. I think we all create things in labs. We can create things with genetic splicing. Mm -hmm. Um, we can do a lot of that too. Now, do I, I do agree with what you said though, from a perfect angle, but I do think that we all create, and I think people get that, uh, kind of mixed up. They, whenever, whenever I start talking about fallen angels creating, or even us in clone labs or not even just cloning, but just creating, we can do that mm -hmm. though. We we're, we're smart enough to do that. Uh, fallen angels are definitely smart enough to do that. Uh, it, it's a, it's a mimicking of the God process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we're all, it, uh, you know, humankind left their own devices is always trying to be God, right? That's been shown throughout history. So I think that we can create, I don't know if it's ever going to be good. Right. <laughs> right. So for that example, we just use, uh, oh gosh, not now I just forgot the name, CRISPR to mix the DNA of alligators into catfish in captivity to make disease-resistant catfish. There you go. There's your man-made Leviathan. You know what I wanted for Christmas is a catfish-alligator hybrid. <laughs> because that that can't go wrong. All I you want know, for really Christmas is a alligator. That's a hybrid. Catagator. 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 That would look like a, a Chinese dragon, the, though. You would actually be thrilled if you had one of those in a I tank. I would be, yeah. I know. You would show it off. You would love it. Walk around town. Yeah, you would. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, guys, this was absolutely a blast. It always is. This was such a fun subject to do. I had a great time digging into some stuff because anytime we sit there and make out a subject, I'm like, okay, what can I do to get Justin worked up on the show? And hopefully, I got him a little bit worked yeah. up, especially I'm with. I'm gonna the have to put a hole in the wall after we are end with this, done with its call. <laughs> you came for his dinosaurs. You came for his Loch Ness monster. I know, just like right off the rip, like geez. Well, Justin, so it was really crazy, man. We dropped this last episode of Floating Mushroom. And it was almost like something integrated into the episode after we all uploaded it. And it was some, and you even mentioned it, some being thing had took over your booth at the Frogman Festival. He literally took over our last recording. He said his name's Mr. Fungus. And I think according to you, you told me he even had very fungus-like features. Yeah. Like he, he looked almost like a cross between a man and some sort of fungus. 
and he took over our last show, and apparently he's got some sort of pet cracking, and he is, I don't know, man, I, I'm kind of worried, because he seems like he's got his eye out for you, too, but, like, we're gonna be basically collateral damage, because now we're connected right. with you guys, and I, I, I'm kind of worried, man, I'm a little scared. I am, too. It's really, it's really, really freaky, I'll tell you that. Calm down, nibbles. I am here to speak to these flesh containers, not feed them to you. Well, at least not yet. I see Justin, Sean, and Joel have decided to go in a different manner this week and try to speak to the ocean at large and what may or may not live in it. That is hilarious, considering it is merely conjecture they amuse their audience with and nothing in the factual realm. Isn't that right, Nibbles? Here's a human arm to sustain you until I'm through with my eloquent monologue. Oh, and did you notice I did not mention J-Clone 32, which this clone is most assuredly no matter what lies he may have spilt on your show. The reason I did not is because this particular J-Clone has updated knowledge of the entire oceanic floor depths. He even had conversations in his underwater travels with you too, hasn't he, Nibbles? And no, no, Nibbles won't eat any J-Clones. They aren't the kind of organically grown flesh containers he prefers. Besides, Nibbles and myself have started to grow very fond of this truth-seeking alliance you all have created together. It's masterfully enjoyable watching you all strive to find the truth when it's always right under your noses but just out of reach. If only you had the knowledge of quintillions of spores over eons of time to connect into any given time. Ah, alas, there is only one Mr. Fungus, one Agaricus Bispores that can rule them all. Keep it up, my favorite flesh containers. I look forward to seeing you inch yourselves closer to the truth you so desperately seek. Say goodbye, nibbles. I kind of feel like I'm not as scared. He scares me, but he seems like he kind of likes what we're trying to do here. He's very fond of all the J clones, apparently. Apparently so. But let's keep him fond of us. I think that's appropriate. I'm just staying quiet on this subject for now. All will be revealed. Of course you are. All will be revealed. All will be revealed. Well, guys, had a blast with you, as always. And for anybody else that wants to know, we do this once a month. If you can, go check Kill the Mockingbirds out at Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram, Kill the Mockingbirds on Telegram. You can find us on all streaming platforms, Kill the Mockingbirds podcast, and check us our music out at Joel Thomas or Sean Chris on all streaming platforms as well. Justin, you want to plug yep. uh, you guys here real quick, too? Cryptids of the Corn podcast. You can check us out on any platform that you get a podcast at. Uh, Facebook, Instagram are kind of our two big social medias. Uh, Jay runs our Telegram. I don't know if there's anything on there. He tells me there is, but I don't think there is. Um, 
But yeah, once again, check out the Kickstarter if you guys feel so inclined. Uh, it's so it's I love doing these episodes. Yeah, I can't wait for the next one. There ain't nothing on that telegram. <laughs> <laughs> it's telegram, you know. If anybody doesn't know or look at it, Sean, he almost fell out of the chair laughing when Justin said that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.